Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Unlocking Freemasonry. I am your one and only host, Elise. Today we are on episode two of five of this series, so thank you to whoever tuned in last time. Now, in episode one, we talked about the history of the Freemasons, and we went into detail about how this secret society formed. We also talked about their basic values and beliefs, and also about how they became so controversial how that started and today I'm super excited because we're going to be diving deeper into that and today we're going to be talking about the inner workings of Freemasonry what exactly goes on in these secret meetings that they have what exactly happens when someone gets initiated into this society what are the rituals that comes with that And I really think this is the main reason why so many people are speculative about the Freemasons, just because they keep these things so secretive. Everything about their meetings is kept in secret. I mean, they swear on an oath to secrecy when they join. So I think that's why so many people are curious and make assumptions about what goes on. So we're going to be going into that today. And then also, towards the end, we're going to talk about some Masonic symbols and how a few of them are actually pretty controversial. So I think a good place to start would be to talk about lodges. Now, I know we touched on this in the first episode, but just to recap, lodges are where the Freemasons hold their meetings. It's where they have their initiations. It's basically like their home, per se. So their lodges are set up in very specific ways. They're oriented east to west because ancient temples were built this way to align with the sun. Now, if you haven't already figured it out, as I have doing my research, nothing about Freemasonry is unintentional. There is always an underlying meaning, always some hidden symbolism in there, and the orientation of their room is absolutely no exception to this. Now, I'll walk you guys through it as if you opened the door to a lodge and we're standing right there, so... The room in the middle has an altar where the Bible or another book of choice is opened and three candles are placed around the altar to illuminate the text. Now, even the position of the chairs has a specific orientation. So there are officers in each lodge and they have specific positions in the room to sit. So the master is on a platform in the east that's raised three steps up. The next person, Senior Warden, is in the west on a platform raised two steps up, and the Junior Warden is in the south with a platform raised one step up. Now, we will get into what these positions do for the Lodge in a couple minutes, but basically, the orientation of the chairs symbolizes the progression of life, which is youth, manhood, and age, and you'll find that the progression of life is something that the Freemasons like to symbolize time and time again, and we'll talk about that later on in this episode too. Also, an illuminated letter G hangs over the master's chair, and this represents God and geometry, which are two things that the Masons hold very highly. Now, most lodges meet once a month, and these are called stated meetings or quote-unquote normal meetings. This is where communications are read, bills are paid, proposed members are voted on, and a member will give a presentation about Freemasonry. Now, both current and past Freemasons have said that these monthly meetings are extremely boring and are comparable to a budget meeting. So, from what I've heard... 
these meetings are not exactly secretive. There's definitely no devil worshipping going on, at least from the Freemasons that I've seen interviews and documentaries with. But also, Freemasons have special meetings, and these are held to initiate new members. These are called degrees. Now, the members of the lodge elect officers, and the officers serve their position for one year. And they hold these officers in pretty high regard. Each lodge is required to have um, a set of officers. So they're required to have a worshipful master, a senior warden, a junior warden, a senior deacon, a treasurer, and a secretary. So there's a lot of positions to be filled in a lodge. Now, the master sits in the east, which is symbolic of the rising sun. And the master is basically just in charge of instructing the lodge members, overseeing meetings, and overseeing the initiation of new members. They're basically just in charge of running the lodge. And each office position has a jewel of office. The master's is the right angle of a square, and this is a stonemason's tool used for checking the angles of cuts. This symbolizes virtue. Now, the next person is the senior warden. He sits in the west, which symbolizes the setting sun, and this is basically the master's assistant. Now, his jewel of office is the level, which is a stonemason's instrument used to check the level of horizontal surfaces. This represents all the ma- that all the masons are on the same level, regardless of their monetary, political, or whatever other status that they might be on. Now, this was shown, I know we talked about it in episode one, when Roosevelt would come visit the his lodge, he would be treated exactly the same as everyone else, even though he was the president. So next, we have the junior warden who sits in the south, and this is symbolic of the position of the sun in the middle of the day, and he's just in charge of arranging meals for the lodges. Not a very daunting task, but... His jewel of office is the plumb, which is a stonemason's instrument used for checking the alignment of a vertical surface, and this symbolizes good behavior. So the senior deacon is the next person, and he welcomes new visitors, shows them around, and the junior deacon guards the door. So the senior and junior steward, who are the next people down, they set up the lodge room for meetings. Now, every lodge has pretty much the same set of rules. They follow Masonic law from a book that was published in the beginnings of Freemasonry. So I'm just going to read a couple of the rules to you, a couple of the more important ones. So lodges must believe in a supreme being. Lodges must only admit men. Now in today's society, this might seem a little sexist. That is totally your judgment. Freemasonry is very much based on ancient values, and that really has not changed even with society changing. Now, when asked why they only admit men, um, a California Freemason, he's actually, he directed a film about Freemasonry, his name is Johnny Royal, and he said that the whole purpose of Freemasonry is for men to find their manhood, but women are already powerfully told by nature, by puberty, when they enter womanhood, and men don't have that kind of experience, so they need something to feel that they are a part of just for the process of becoming a man. Also, another rule that the 
lodges have is that they cannot discuss religion or politics in any manner. So before every lodge meeting, there's certain protocol that needs to be met. A man will sit outside the lodge with a sword to protect the lodge. Also, everyone in the lodge is examined to be sure that he is a mason. And this is actually pretty interesting. They do this by secret passwords and handshakes. Now, of course, these are secret, so nobody has any access to what the handshakes or passwords are unless you are a mason. Also, each officer stands and recites his duties, and then a secret text is opened and a square and compass are placed on it, and the master declares the lodge properly opened, and that is when they do prayer and continue with the meeting. Now, when someone, that is for like regular monthly meetings, when someone is being initiated, the process is totally different. So the ceremonies they practice in their lodges when someone's being initiated are referred to as rituals. And this just implies the beginning of a spiritual journey. So technically the Masons are supposed to keep all the details of these rituals a secret. So there's only so much that the public knows, unfortunately. But to become a Freemason, it's a pretty long process. It's actually, you have to go through three Masonic degrees, and these degrees are designed to represent, again, the three stages of life, so youth, manhood, and age. So I'm going to walk you guys through the degrees, what are the rituals that go with each degree, and some of them are a little crazy and weird, so it's pretty interesting. Now the first degree is called the Entered Apprentice Degree. So this teaches the most basic lessons of belief in God, the importance of truth, and the value of keeping one's word. Now, there are a few really strange rituals that the apprentice has to participate in to be initiated into this first degree. They have to wear their clothes in a certain symbolic way that the ancient Freemasons used to wear them, and they have to be blindfolded. because This is because they think that by blindfolding the um, participant, he's in darkness and he's actively seeking the light for knowledge. The light for knowledge is Freemasonry. So then the initiate is taken around the lodge blindfolded to each primary officer and is asked a series of questions. He then kneels at the altar and places his hand on the Bible or whatever holy book that of his choice. And he takes an oath swearing him to secrecy. And last, he's asked to recite a series of questions and answers from the cipher book. Now, Freemasons have said that they have to completely memorize this book, and it can take anywhere from a month to five years. It really depends on how much time you spend on it. So you cannot progress to the second degree until that first degree is completed. But the second degree is the fellow craft degree, and this teaches the importance of education, work, and the power of God. Now, to pass this degree, the initiate must swear to secrecy and promise to help his brothers, and then he is shown the secret passwords and signs of this degree. Next, the brother participates in an 18th century ceremony, and this is where he symbolically climbs a winding staircase into the middle of the chamber of the temple, and each step is supposed to represent an increase in knowledge. Now, the third degree is the Master Mason degree, and this is where initiative is taught and the importance of living a life of morality is taught. Also, it's important that the 
third degree participant knows that all of life is preparation for death. They preach that a lot. So now I want to move into the symbols of Freemasonry because I think there is a little bit of controversy there. Definitely a lot of interesting symbols that they use. They're very big on symbols. Usually they will have um, symbols on the apron that they wear and the master mason wears a necklace of a symbol. So it's very integrated into what they believe in. Now, like I said, the symbols are used to teach philosophies of the fraternity and Masons have written over hundreds of books about Masonic symbols. That's another thing I wanted to mention. We're obviously not going to go into all of the symbols today just because there are so many of them, but we're just going to go into the most prominent ones. So the number three is used a lot in Freemasonry. And basically the Masons follow what Plato and Aristotle believe that the number three is a symbol for a supreme being. Now, the imagery of the Holy Trinity was really strong in early Freemasonry, so the number three is now a symbol for just the ongoing search for perfection. The next symbol is the square and compass, and this is the symbol that has come to represent Freemasonry as a whole. This is actually what the master wears on his apron, like pinned on his apron. Now, the square was an instrument used by early Masons to square their work, and today it represents honesty, fairness, and virtue. And the compass represents the tenets of Freemasonry, which are friendship, morality, and brotherly love. Now, the letter G is also a huge symbol of Freemasonry. We mentioned this earlier in the episode, but it is the initial of God, and it also is the initial for the grand architect of the universe, which they often refer to as God or who whichever God that someone may believe in. It also stands for geometry, which is the basic uh the basis of the Freemasons' origins. If you remember we talked about it in episode one, they hold geometry very highly because that is what architects would use to construct their buildings. We also have the pillars, which are probably the most distinctive symbol in Masonic artwork. And they represent the columns that were at the entrance to King Solomon's temple. Now, getting into the more controversial Masonic symbols, the thing with these symbols being controversial is that just like a lot of things in life, you can basically interpret these symbols however you want. There are so many different religious or um, faith meanings that they have and just different interpretations So again, it's really how you construct the symbol. But there is a masonry symbol that is a point within a circle and the two vertical lines that are associated with it. And there's a lot of different theories about this one, but it's actually very likely related to the occult because in alchemy, it symbolizes the sun and philosophical gold. And the Masons actually use this symbol a lot, even though they they say that it is not related to the occult, but it's been proven that it is. There are also a couple more esoteric symbols associated with the Freemasons, including the pot of incense. And this represents the purity of the heart and is a symbolic sacrifice to deity. There's also an hourglass and the scythe, which represents time in regard to the human journey. 
Now, the scythe is a long single-edged blade that cuts through life and launches someone into eternity. So if someone manages to escape the evils of early life and reach old age, they are then cut by the scythe of time and sent to the land of his forefathers. So because some of these symbols the mason uses are associated with the occult, people have a reason to assume that they are also somehow connected. The masons are also connected to the occult. And we're going to really dive deep into that connection between them in the next episode of this podcast. We just barely touched on it, but next episode we're going to talk about is Freemasonry really directly related to the occult? So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you all turn into the rest of the episodes because it's just starting to get exciting.